We started out this podcast on three bunk beds. And now here comes the rewatchables. When their parents got married, Dale and Brennan became stepbrothers. Hey, your guts. You don't say that. From the guys who brought you Talladega Nights. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John Samos. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Stepbrothers made it R. All right, you guys voted for it, Step Brothers. I'm shocked. I was shocked how the poll went. This podcast is a fucking prison. <laughs> we we opened it up on Twitter on my account. Gave you two choices, Step Brothers or Tom Cruise movie TBD. Thought Cruise was going to win in a walk. What we learned is Step Brothers is really, really popular. Sounds like somebody's getting used to the idea that Twitter and democracy don't always go hand in hand, huh? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I feel like um, part of the problem there is that you guys already did the two most rewatchable Tom Cruise movies. You already did Jerry Maguire. You already did A Few Good Men. True. You know what we're going to do? Much to your chagrin? Collateral. <laughs> Collateral's I'm happening. I'm out. Every 20 episodes, Chris and I get to do a movie that uh, only we really care about the most. Just launch a subscription-only Patreon for a Michael Mann podcast. Just That's that's a good side hustle for you. I might do that. Well, why not? Maybe. Maybe. Every hundred episodes, we go deeper and deeper into the man catalog, and then we the big biggest one is a four hour extravaganza on Black Hat. Well, that's what maybe we'll donate the proceeds wow. to a four hour director's <laughs> cut of Black Hat. You won't be able to do that because that will be the day when we shutter the ringer. <laughs> uh, Step Brothers, we did an oral history on it on Tuesday on the Ringer, and uh, a lot of anecdotes to be gleaned from that. Will Farrell and I talked about. Step Brothers for a while on my podcast last summer. We're going to put that at the tail end of this after we're done. He talked about it for 10, 12 minutes. I think one of the surprising things with this movie is the belated kind of brilliance of it. Mm -hmm. It took people two years to get going. And I think there's some factors for it. I theorized with Will Ferrell when we did the podcast last, last year that I think part of it was he just had so many good movies. There was almost a little Will Ferrell fatigue. Adam McKay agrees with this theory, by the way, where it, it was almost like a LeBron type situation where he's good every year. And then there's that year where you just vote LeBron like fifth for MVP and it's stupid. And I think that was part of it. But as Adam pointed out, the other part is once it's on cable mm -hmm. and it was just one of those movies, I watched it again last night. And I think I laughed harder last night than I did the other times. It just gets funnier. There's not a lot of movies like that that gain steam that are comedies. I think every, almost every scene in this movie is funny too. There's not like down, there's not like valleys like there are with like say like there's like my favorite Bill Murray movies all have like 20 minute stretches where it's like oh yeah. Stripes is an action movie now for like a little while. Yeah, that's yeah. tough. There's nothing like that in this movie. Every single scene you're like, I can't believe I'm watching this. Yeah. And they take every single <laughs> It's like, oh, they have to get from like in the car to the house or they have to drive from this to this. And they use every single moment as an opportunity to make these guys seem more and more certifiable. Yeah, I think it's also the last truly canonical Will Ferrell movie. You know, yeah. He's made a lot of really funny movies since this movie, but this is the last one where if you're doing the Hall of Fame plaque, like it's, it's, it's on the plaque. You have to say Step Brothers goes in and it comes off this incredible run of movies that he and McKay did consecutively. So, Farrell from 2001 to 2008. Zoolander, Old School, Elf, Anchorman, Kicking and Screaming, Bewitched, Talladega Nights, Blades of Glory, Semi-Pro, Step Brothers. 
It's not LeBron making eight straight finals, but it's close. It's close. Yeah, it's close. There's there's like five finals. There's funny stuff in and all a couple of championships yeah, yeah. in those. Yeah. When are we doing the Bewitched rewatchables? <laughs> I for, I had forgotten that happened until I saw it on the IMDb. Who was the female in that? Nicole Kidman. That was a big movie. That was a big movie with a big budget. Yeah. And it was a big failure. Was it bad or were people just tired of Will Ferrell? It was really high concept and I think pretty confusing. It was about like a movie star who was starring in the remake of Bewitched but she also had the same powers as the, the character in Bewitched. It was very, a very odd film. So that's an eight-year run I just banged out. To put it in perspective, Jim Carrey, 94 to 2000. Oh, Ace is- Ventura, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Ace 2, Cable Guy, Liar, Liar, Me, Myself, and Irene. Adam Sandler, 95 to 99. Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Bulletproof. Do you ride for Bulletproof Underrated. just a tiny bit? Sure. I ride for it Damn a tiny Wayans, bit. Yeah. yeah. Wedding singer, water boy, big daddy. The comedians. <laughs> Should the gleam in Sean's eye. <laughs> big daddy? I was really coming of age during Sean that. just really is a Sandler guy. Big daddy. I like Sandler. I yeah, yeah. I think, well, big I daddy was a man is, child at that time, you know? Big daddy is flat out a good movie still to this day. I ride uh, for yeah, Big Daddy. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's fine. My point is. <laughs> good John Stewart performance. It's really hard to get eight straight years. Yeah. We've seen four, we've seen five, we've seen six. I think comedians have a shelf life with leading a movie probably four to five years, I would say. Yeah. And that goes back to the Bill Murray era where you you know, you have meatballs, caddyshack, stripes, all the way through Ghostbusters. And then comedians either you kind of figure them out like a pitcher or they want to get more dramatic. Yeah, we've seen it over and over again. Eddie Murphy. I wrote about Mike Myers earlier this year, very similar situation. Eddie Murphy's the gold standard. He yeah. was 82 to 88, but even that was seven years, not eight. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that your career is over after that. No. You can still have The Nutty Professor 12 years later, but it's just not that that run that we always talk about. And what's funny is he's on SNL. He's an immediate star. And the movie success didn't translate right away for whatever reason. We're talking about Will or Eddie? Will Ferrell. Okay. 96. Joint, actually, it was 95. It was uh, October 95. Joint starts with SNL. Made a couple movies. He was in Night in the Roxbury, which I actually enjoy. <laughs> but it wasn't until 01 that he kind of took off. And then you saw over the course of that decade, um, there was the mckay Farrell combo mm-hmm. and that whole school of people. And then you had the the uh, Vince Vaughn and the Wilson brothers, and and that's all happening. And just really great run of comedies. And now I don't know where we are with comedies. So I was just trying to wonder who's Will Ferrell today. I, was, I, was, I don't think is it Kevin Hart. I mean, who or is it Tiffany Haddish? Like, who's basically the co- comedian that you think can not only open Tiffany a movie? Haddish has made one and a half. I know. Movies. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I, we're basically like betting on future performance there. But like, I was trying to imagine like who. I think commercially, it's probably Hart. But is there like an exciting com- film comedian right now? Chris, what about Bateman, your boy? <laughs> Bateman. <laughs> he's he's saving all his talents for the intrigue of the Ozarks, man. That's right. Uh, I think Haddish is a good one to tip for the future. She has Night School coming out later this year with Kevin Hart. They're obviously trying to, you know, shift some of his energy onto her energy to make her a big movie star. Whether that works, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't think we really have a, a center of the comedy universe right now with the movies, though. It's a it's a weird time. We, you know? We're coming out of the Rogan period, I guess. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, Toby and Takeover. Yeah, and then, and then I guess kind of that there is that game night. And Rogan was never like, 
he made good movies, but I never felt like he was on like that Will Ferrell level. Yeah, I feel like Seth I feel like Rogan a bunch of movies. people are trying to make Will Ferrell esque movies now without Will Ferrell. So even Will Ferrell is making like uh, what was bringing down the house. And then there's Tag this year in Game Night. These sort of like high concept, really loose, improv heavy movies. For this decade, it's pretty wide open. I mean, Melissa McCarthy might be yeah, in the that's conversation. That's a really good point. But yeah. she made a couple, and I really like The Heat. I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was she, hilarious. She has she had a lot of big is the funniest performance anyone's had in a movie this year, other than, or this decade, other than Tiffany Haddish and Girls Trip. It's yeah. one or the other. I don't think there's been a male performance. This decade, that was as funny as either of those. I'll agree with that. I think one of the things that has happened too is that one of the quote unquote funniest movies of the year is Deadpool 2. And now, like, yeah. what a comedy is has kind of moved into yeah, like other people kinds thought of Guardians movies. Yeah, is super funny, like yeah. that. Yeah. It doesn't, we don't just have as many standalone comedies. You know, we have Game Night, we have Blockers, but like Ant Man and the Wasp is as much a comedy as anything that's out right now. I think one of the things that failed was the SNL feeder system. Kate McKinnon has a movie coming out this, this summer. Um, with Mila Kunis, right? Yeah, The Spy Who Dumped Me. It is supposed to be really funny. And I we talked about her a couple of times over the last few years about whether she could make a leap. I don't know. I, I really like her. She's obviously really talented. Whether she is going to be an atmospheric star, I don't know. I wonder if it could have been Bill Hader if he wasn't so smart and creative. Like, I think Bill Hader could have ripped off like a like a version of Jim Carrey's run. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Emmy nominated now. I, I suspect yeah. he's happy with what he's oh, doing. Oh, I think he's super happy. Yeah. But I don't think he ever wanted that. Like, I think he could have had his version of whatever Ace Ventura was, and it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, the SNL feeder system broke down this decade. I think it delivered some some female stars, but they did not like the Will Ferrell, Sandler kind of translatable but I think crucially, like the what happens with Farrell in the in the you know in that oh seven that Anchorman Talladega and uh, and Step Brothers thing is like they they had like a a very concerted thing that they were trying to do of like we're gonna take this like American idiot character and put yeah. him in a couple of different a couple of different environments and like play around with these different these different settings and it, it, there was like a level of care about bu- building the world that this character was gonna be in that sometimes is lacking from like mainstream comedies. I think uh, Sandberg, had he chosen to keep making movies, could have had a run that we would have looked back on really nicely. And instead he, he, you know, he did, he did the TV show and he did some other things and he really didn't make, I thought Hot Rod was really funny. I like Hot Rod. So Hot Rod and Popstar both have Popstar's aged huge cult followings, mm-hmm. but yeah. those movies were actually very unsuccessful at the box yeah, office, no. which is interesting because I don't know if he'll, he would be able to get a shot at a $30 million comedy no, he right now. No, probably just do it for TV, right? But his, pretty much everything he does is funny. Yeah. So maybe that kind of explains it. It's just a lot harder to become a guy doing it by yourself. Also, this is really notable for Step Brothers. Will Ferrell almost never does it by himself. He's yeah. always got Vince Vaughn or he's always got Amy Poehler or he's always got John C. Riley or John Heater. He always has like a a partner, a number two. And that's a sm- very smart move that he has made over the years. Well, the other smart move is aligning himself with Adam McKay, who is the big winner of the oral history we did, just person after person talking about what a genius he is, which we knew he was really good at what he did. Now you look at the way his career has gone the mm-hmm. last few years, and it seems like this is the best comedy director we have. It's basically the Harold Ramis for for uh, this generation, but now no longer does comedies. He's kind of graduated, which is a bummer. If you Although I would argue that there are funnier things in succession than any other comedy I've I, seen this year. And the same for Big Short. Yeah. Big Short has a lot of really funny scenes. And his new movie is about Dick Cheney, Backseat, coming out later this year. 
I suspect there will be some funny shit in that. I don't think it's going to be the hardest of hard biopics. It's a really nice team. It's it's a rarity to see two people align like that 20 years ago and just put out all kinds of creative stuff. They see everybody loves working with them. I think they have probably the highest approval rating of just about anybody in LA other than Mike Schur and I mean, it's a handful of people where you just, you never hear anything bad about them. Yeah, those guys are cool and they're good and they make good stuff. Yeah, people just like being in their orbit and they also find a lot of talent and they seem to bring the best out of people that, you know, somebody like Catherine Hahn, who's unbelievable in this movie, is they just kind of look at her and go, hey, she's good. Let's figure, let's unleash her. Same thing for Adam Scott. I mean, Adam Adam Scott Scott doesn't tell me you love me. Adam Scott seemed like, like, the, like third penis. guy in a drama, like, you know, just was going to be a, a, a kind of a background player. And now between this and, and Eastbound kind of has like a second life as a comedic actor. Had never done comedy before. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing with Anchorman. Steve Carell and Paul Rudd were not brand names at that yeah. point in time. They had done stuff, but he made those guys really famous. Apatow is another one that people just seem to love working with. Yeah. And I, it seems to be a recurring theme in the comedy in the comedy circles. You hear the same thing about both of those guys too, which is that on set, they're like, let's just blow it up if it's not working. And they're always yelling at their actors to say funny shit. They're always coming up with lines on the spot. And this movie in particular, Step Brothers, it's not really a movie. Like there's not really a story that you care about. No. But you're, you are, as Chris was saying, like you're waiting in every scene for something really wild to happen because you can feel that there's some some exciting creative tension on the set. Well, McKay said in the oral history that the whole genesis for this movie is... McKay said, I would love to see a movie where bunk beds collapse. <laughs> and that was that was how Step Brothers was created. And then they started saying stuff like, I want to see a movie where little kids beat the shit out of grown men. And then he said, I remembered a story from when I grew up where a kid on our block threatened a grown-up. So they just took these seeds of things they thought were funny. They thought SeaWorld was funny. They did a whole thing at SeaWorld that got cut out that then then they used for Anchorman too. But yeah. they just started with these with these like just idea blocks. Yeah. And then all right, how does that work? And they landed on just well, what if Will Farrell and, and John C. Riley were just these grown ups who lived at home? This is the one they, they should have broke they they should have broken the mold after this. I think one of the problems with a lot of comedies, especially in the ad, after Step Brothers and after this block of movies, is they just feel so heavily improvised that you're like, you guys didn't have a script, right? Like you guys had an idea that was like, what if we're frat people? Like, wh- like what if we have to go back to school? And then like, they just improvise the entire movie. But at some point, someone is like, you have to have some part of a movie in here. Yeah. Like blockers is really funny, but there is like a whole part of blockers where like, and now you guys have to like go to the hotel to stop them now for real. And, uh, this never has that. It never has like the Catalina wine mixer, all the stuff that's like the st- stupid movie stuff is still just as funny as any of the funny sequences. They also had this happen with Anchorman where Anchorman came out and it did reasonably well and then just gained steam. And I think I wrote about, I did the movie quotes gimmick with Anchorman probably in 09 and it still hadn't really, it, maybe Twitter wasn't around really at that point yet, but I was surprised by the emails I got. Like, wow, I love that movie too. I can't, I've watched that 20 times and it just seemed like, and now it's like Anchorman. It's blown up into something totally different. 
With Step Brothers, I don't know what year that happened with this movie, but it was, I would say, I at feel least like five or six years after. Fantasy definitely started saying this is a house of learned doctors to me. <laughs> <laughs> like within two years? <laughs> Pretty early on. Sean, Sean was a big Dale guy. The thing is, is <laughs> there's something really genius about stupid people insisting that they're smart. And yeah. Dale and Brennan think they're so smart. Yeah. And they're obviously complete <laughs> morons. Yeah. And if they're not morons, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just an ingenious thing. And also, John C. Riley was not an untapped resource. He's literally one of the greatest character actors who's ever lived. But to just be like, it's now time for you to be in a big, broad Hollywood yeah. comedy with the funniest movie actor in the world and go toe-to-toe with him and to to win sometimes was is just amazing. This is also with Anchorman. I like it's, it doesn't sound like there was any like stress or people were like upset or having breakdowns or anything, but they shot like two full movies for Anchorman. Like there's right. basically two anchor demands and this was, they had a four hour cut of this or they could have had a four hour cut of Step Brothers, and they said they shot like a million feet of film. Yeah. It's like, it is like apocalypse now. It's like, they just like <laughs> went to the jungle and just kept shooting. And I kind of just, I, I mean, I don't know if there's another version of Step Brothers that's four hours long, but I would certainly honestly just watch it on a loop. There's 20 minute scenes that they cut out of the movie. I, I'm torn on it because- like I watched all the Anchorman deleted scenes and I almost wish I hadn't seen them because it messed with the movie that I'm used to in my head. And then there's these things over here. I've only been happy a couple of times with deleted scenes. Boogie Nights is my favorite deleted scene. Movie. Those are good ones. The, McKay has a really good sense of when to cut it. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the original cut of this movie is only 95 minutes. It's pretty short yeah. and it, it needs to be short because there's no point. There's no story. There's no plot. There are no stakes to anything that's happening. It's just like be funny for 95 minutes. Yeah. that. Well, we can get to some of the nitpicks. <laughs> there's nitpicks and there's a, step a, a couple small ones. Roger Ebert trashed this movie, which Will Ferrell and McKay, they loved. And Will Ferrell talked about that on the podcast I did with them. An iconic review. Iconic. Near the end, like he's really crusty old guy at this point. It's like an existential crisis for him. He yeah. literally writes, I think, what are we doing here? Yeah. Sometimes I think I am living in a nightmare. <laughs> All about me. Standards are collapsing. Manners are evaporating. <laughs> oh People God. show no respect for themselves. <laughs> I am not a moralistic nut. I'm proud of the X-rated movie I once wrote. I like vulgarity if it's funny or serves a purpose. But what is going on here? <laughs> that is Roger Ebert's retirement letter, basically. That's amazing. Oh, I love Roger man. Ebert, and I always have. But uh, he's I can sense that after 50 years of reviewing movies, you get something like this, and you're like, what am I supposed to do? How do I critically analyze something like this? I just picture him in a screening as Will Ferrell's putting his balls on the <laughs> drum set going, oh, no. Oh, God, those are his testicles. And having a heart attack. Uh, so... It came out, it did well. It didn't do unbelievably well, but it did well. Yeah. And then it came out during the the absolute height of the DVD Blu-ray era. It sold 4 million DVDs and Blu-rays. Jesus. Which is an insane, insane number. What's that? 4 million times, let's say- Average of $17 of DVD (laughs) Blu-ray. So it made another like 70 million. And at the time, none of us knew that we were going to be throwing out all of our DVDs and Blu-rays. Not except me. for a select crew. Not me. How many do you have now? More than a thousand. You haven't thrown any of them out? No, I love them. I kept uh, I kept 50. 50? Yeah, I kept like 50. This I is actually a good standalone else. pod is Bill's 50 Blu-rays. 
Yeah, they're they're it's an unassailable crew of D- DVDs okay. and Blu-rays, including uh, multiple Halloweens. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween just kept releasing them. Let's hit the categories, but first, let's take a break. Hey, if you love to score amazing deals in incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool top-rated hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at hotels you'd actually want to stay at. No more scrolling through endless lists of choices. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can book an audience perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. Hotel Tonight is perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. So easy to use. Books hotels in 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. There's even the HT Perks program, where the more you book, the better the deals get. As you've heard me say many times, I've used Hotel Tonight for a variety of youth soccer tournaments around California. Now youth baseball, too. That's coming. So, yeah, thank you, Hotel Tonight. Use their app to start scoring amazing deals and incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app that you need. And since we're here, don't forget about the Ringer Podcast Network, which we have, I don't know, 22, 23 shows at this point. From a pop culture standpoint, we have uh, Larry Wilmore. We have The Watch with Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan. We have our new music podcast. Oh, yeah. Micah Peters on Shuffle. That's been on fire. Every week we've had uh, some sort of music, something happening. So that was a great two months, great way to start the, the feed. If you love music, I would highly recommend that one. And not to mention Channel 33, which has... Some of our high-level conversations, the press box, jam session, damage control, the big picture with Sean Fennessy. So check all of those out. Just go to theringer.com slash podcasts. And if you haven't sampled any of those, it's summer. There's no sports going on. Give it all a whirl. We might bring the recapables back to uh, very soon. Stay tuned for that as well. Anyway, theringer.com slash podcast. Check it out. Back to the rewatchables. All right, we're back. You guys wanted this. Step Brothers Rewatchables. Step Space Brothers, by the way. Common mistake on Twitter is to do the Step Brothers. Common mistake combo. you make. I made it this week. <laughs> and it got corrected. Did you? Yeah, I got corrected. Complete matter of. It's tough. Hey, man. It's Step Brothers. Wow, all it's of Chris's burner Brothers. accounts. <laughs> I know. All my bots. <laughs> Chris is at still all, balling 33. All my Derek bots. <laughs> <laughs> Most rewatchable scene. Uh, you know, we do these a lot. This is tough. This was this was tough, some of these categories for this movie. Throw some out. I had some, uh, I had four nominees. Feel free to add. The first dinner scene, when the whole family's together for the first time, just start to finish really great. And John C. Riley makes Will Ferrell cry. Just start to finish great. You mean not not the one that with Derek before that? No, just the, the before, four of them. Yeah. yeah. The one where they're crying? Yeah. <laughs> Hurts his feelings. Yeah. And then it ends with Will Farrell going to shake Richard Jenkins' hand and keeps just pulling it away slowly and walks away. Uh, the drum scene is a masterpiece that ends with uh, the fight in the yard. Yeah. It just keeps going and going. And then Mary Steenberg says, what the fuck you fuck is going on? Or whatever <laughs> she says. The bunk beds breaking is just like, you could say it a hundred times and it's still funny each time. And then uh, the boat video. I have those as the big four. 
you could also throw in the Catalina, the Catalina, Catalina mixer, uh, the song, and just that whole moment. Um, anything else? Anything else you would add? Would you would you include them being grounded after the fact? After the 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 what is it? After the drum set scene when they're when they're grounded and he's just like this is um we we live on planet bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that I, whole speech between <laughs> that, that whole interaction between Jenkins and Steven Burgeon and Riley and Farrell is like. It's just mind blowing seeing those two sitting on the couch because you can tell that they're just like throwing lines out. But yeah, every time I laugh at a different one harder. I would say Adam Scott, Derek popping his head up into the treehouse is one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, that's (laughs) getting punched in the face. I haven't had a carb since 2004. Is one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. The very obvious body double for the for the abs. (laughs) The abs is incredible, and everything that leads up to that too. When they're looking at the porno mags where he's like it's like I'm masturbating in a time machine you know all, all, that, all that stuff everything happening in the treehouse is, is incredible um, there's there's a lot that I think of these almost like not like scenes but micro moments you yeah. know yeah. it's, it's really a lot a movie of lines and dialogue and all these little tiny things yeah happen. like the job interview I, yes is, like job the, the job interviews like, like I could have put that in there too. yeah there's this great Two chain song. There's pan. The, pan. Can you oh, spell pan, that? Right. So yes, yeah, so that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Pan. There's this great two chain song called Trap Back. This is weird. It's not an EP. It's not a big song, but it's just two chains rapping. And then in the middle of the song, it just stops, and then it just plays the audio of the pan scene <laughs> yeah. for a minute and a half, and ends with "Get out of my office." <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the funniest thing in the world, and it's just it was a recognition that Two Chains also knows that Step Brothers is unbelievable, and you can just put dialogue from the movie into a song, and people will love it. That yeah. scene, though, well, fairly really influential on on that period of rap music because of. Uh he basically invents Watch the Throne. Yes, Kanye <laughs> loves, loves, loves Will Ferrell, and famously quoted, um, "You can't don't don't lose your dinosaur." You know, that yeah. was, he gave that in an interview four or five years ago to our friend Zach Barron. Yeah. The drum scene is the winner. I know you touched my drum set, and I want to hear that dirty little mouth admit it. You get out of my face, or I'm gonna roundhouse your ass. You swear in your mom's life that you didn't touch it then. I don't have to swear to shit. That's because you fucking touched my drum set. Because I know cops doesn't start till four. Where are you going? I'm going upstairs. Because I'm going to put my nuts hat on your drum set. You like the drum scene the best? I, for me, it's the winner. Including all the way up through the fight? Everything. The, 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 just him getting up and going, I'm, put, I'm putting my balls on your drum set. There's a, I would say, a probably. I don't know how you think of that. There's probably a more than significant amount of time devoted in Alan Siegel's oral history to how they designed and created the fake testicles. And that's like his favorite memento from a movie set, right? <laughs> yeah. So they said it was a few thousand dollars. And then in my half-ass internet research, which I'll step on here, they claimed it was $20,000. <laughs> so it's somewhere between a few thousand and 20,000, but was clearly. At some point, the designer dude was said to McKay, like, hey, man, if we want to make a really nice set of these, it's going to cost you. And McKay's like, go, blank checkbook, do what you need to do. <laughs> and did great. such a good job. Farrell asked to keep them and brings them out for dinner parties and things like that because he's Will Farrell. I'm definitely, I'm going with the treehouse. I'm just going to read one very important line. Okay. What is your problem, man? This is Dale talking to Derek. Derek says, my problem? I don't know. I don't have a problem, Dale. Actually, I have the opposite of a problem. I made over 550K last year. 
<laughs> Adam Scott is an amazing dickhead. What do you have? I'm going. I'm going with the uh, the the scene after they when they get grounded. Okay. Yeah. What's age the worst? Not a lot. Uh, this was the tail end of the era before. Uh, gay slurs and yes. comedies and stuff. Yes. This one when is, they were like, oh, we can't have those anymore. Yeah. And it does stand out in this. It's kind of like, oh. this is the, the hangover is way more guilty of it than yeah. this movie, but it's in this movie. Yeah. It's in a lot. It's in, it's in uh, super bad too. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. all of a sudden, like around once Twitter started and then people started mobilizing, that was it. It's about 2010 when that, yeah. you can't make that joke anymore. Yeah. Casting what ifs, not a lot. They they started this movie with um, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, and then went and found actors. They're like the only one was the Adam Scott character Derek, which they auditioned John Hamm and Tom, Thomas Lennon for, and they saw something in Adam Scott in his audition that they just like. Was this before Badman? No, during. During, yeah. That was John Hamm is very Derek. jarring. <laughs> John Hamm as Derek is one of the better what ifs we've had. He would have been more intimidating and he would have been funny, but there's something evil about Adam Scott. You know, there's something like Adam Scott. It should be punched. You know, I don't. Yeah, it'd be like scary to punch John Hamm. It wouldn't be scary to punch Adam Scott. What did he say in the oral history that he modeled his character? He studied people on the Internet who seemed douchey, who had money. And just, oh, yeah, he read the Rob Report. He read the yeah, Rob Report yeah. and just and looked at pictures of people He's in the like, Rob I, Report. He's like, it seemed like I should be a guy who reads a magazine with a speedboat on the cover. Right. <laughs> they do a nice job He when he's name-dropping people at the first dinner and later, it's all people who also seem douchey. He, he calls Mark Cuban the Cubes. <laughs> uh, Chad Michael Murray, Bobby Flay, Seal. And then he says, we have 20 minutes till the Dane Cook pay-per-view starts. <laughs> it's just like, if put it this way, if Derek name drops you in this movie, it's a tough one for the tough ego. Tough beat. Tough beat for Seal. Yes. Poor Seal. <laughs> What's wrong with Seal? Seal? Seal's like, what did I do? <laughs> so that was it for casting what ifs. Well, I've never been happier to do the Deanne Waiters Award until we do Boogie Nights, which is going to happen at some point. This is the Deanne Waiters Award there's just a lot of heat checks in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's the stats basketball box score wise would be really crazy. I don't know if anyone's had a bench like this of just the second unit coming in. Yeah. It's a lot strength. of rondos. It's a lot of like nine assists, seven boards, four steals. Everybody's just filling it up. Yeah. So I, yeah, uh, Rob Riggle. Yep. Yeah. This is like and, really the first time I think I saw Rob Riggle. Yeah. He's in Hangover, right? He he is. Yeah. He plays the cop. Yeah, Andrea him. Savage. Yeah, you have the little kid, the the bully. You have uh, Derek's son singing. Derek's son singing. <laughs> but is Han in this? Yeah, there's only one winner. Han, well, I mean Horatio Sands. Horatio as, Sands, as the Billy Joel '80s Billy Joel cover band singer. <laughs> it's amazing. But Kat, Catherine Han not only wins, but I would argue one of the great heat checks. That we've ever discussed in the rewatchables. Uh-huh. She's in how many scenes? Five? She's in yeah. like seven minutes of this movie. One of the funniest movie performances ever. McKay uh, said McKay said I, the I, first scene when she's when she gets turned on because John C. Riley punched Derek and she's basically just just kind of mounting him. And uh he said that was the not only the funniest performance he's seen, but the greatest acting performance he's ever witnessed. <laughs> 
She really commits. That's why what makes this work. I want to put you in a in a ball and put you inside my <laughs> vagina. She's just a lunatic. She's so good. I actually I don't understand why. I know she had kids and stuff, and sometimes with actresses they they don't do as many roles as maybe they would have if they were a man. I don't understand why she's not a bigger star. She's, she's a, one of my favorite actresses. She's she's never bad. She's, she's phenomenal in Bad Moms. I was gonna say Carrie she's Simmons in, she's in Bad Moms, movie. which was a huge hit. Yeah. So she's had a really good career. I mean, she made a couple of but never streaming was able, shows. Never was able to lead like a really successful TV show or movie, which I think is a failure. Not on her. Yeah, on she's just really Hollywood. great. Yeah, that, she she stars in something. Afternoon Delight. She's incredible in that. Yep. She got in the Jill Soloway yeah. universe. She was on Transparent for a while. I and then she Dick, was on yeah. I Love Dick. But she, she, she deserves never, her own movie. For yeah, sure, she sure. never went higher than that. Yeah. Is the, uh, speaking of, of Dion Waiters Awards, is the scene where Robert Randy has a, a heart attack, is that in the final movie or is that just one of the unreleased scenes? I don't know. That's not in the final when movie. When he dies <laughs> for, <No>. for a minute <laughs> and he's like, I saw my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> He, he's unco- he's he's unconscious. Now I have to sell or lease eighty-five choppers. <gasps> you good? Hey, Derek. Yeah. What are you doing here, man? Oh, I just walked in. <sighs> Your heart stopped. You you were dead for a second. No, no, no. no your no. heart. You don't have a heart. It's just yeah. Randy. Did you see my nana when you came in, D? Oh no, you seen your grandma again? Did you see her in her head? Yeah, no, no, no. She's not here, buddy. Because you were probably having an out-of-body experience because you died. Okay, this is the Catalina wine mixer, Brennan. Boom. <laughs> and then he comes back and, and Scott's just like, are you okay, man? Catherine <laughs> uh, Hahn, there's not 10 seconds where she's not funny in this movie. Yeah, Hahn gets It's really it. great. The Joey Pants Award. <laughs> For Joe, Joe Panaliano, where it's somebody you know from a movie and you're like, I like that person, but I don't know what their name is. Andrea Savage, I've always liked. And she's one of those where it's like, oh, that's the one that ends up with Will Ferrell and Step Brothers. And then you see them in something. She's in the house and she's really good. I actually like the house. Oh, the house. The, I said bringing down the house. It's yeah. the house. No, yeah. the house. The house is underrated. She's <laughs> And she's great in the house. And I remember watching the house and going... A, who is this person? B, why didn't they do more stuff and then go into research? And she basically just had kids and was checked out for She has years. a show now, though. She's on a- She's back, She has though. a show on True TV called yeah. I'm Sorry. Right. Yeah. She's really friend of the watch. Yeah. She, she was. She came on She came on the, the throne show. Yeah. So she, in the oral history, it said she was in Party Down, party down with uh, Adam Scott initially, but then got pregnant and had to leave the, Wild movie, leave the show. Yeah. yeah. Lizzie, Lizzie Kaplan. Kaplan yeah. But, she's, uh, she's really funny in this movie. She's a good Joey Pants. Half-assed internet research. John C. Riley really cried during the divorce scene. <laughs> Actually, like real tears, had a real acting performance. Did you, as a as a as a COD, as a child of divorce, <laughs> did you identify with that scene? A hundred percent. When it's Kramer for Kramer Han versus starts Kramer crying in that too, scene. and she's like, "Oh, honey," and Dan Scott's like, "Why are you calling him honey?" <laughs> <laughs> Boats and Hose was made by do- the controversial Dr. Luke. Yeah. The Nina Hose, the Maria. I'll do you in the bottom while you're drinking sangria. Nachos, lemon heads, my dad's boat. You won't go down because my dick can float. We sail around the world and go port to His career took a downturn, we'll say. Yeah, you After. know, I, I suspect that was because um, Dr. Luke 
somewhat famously was the guitarist on Saturday Night Live for years. And so he had hooks with all these guys. And I mean, how older did the music and exactly. Music yeah, and yeah. That's how Luke came in. But Luke was, I think was the guitarist when McKay and Farrell were on the show. Will Farrell did his own singing and Riley did all the drumming at the Catalina wine mixer. That was all them doing it in the moment. The, the performance of Porti Volare is like weirdly good. Yeah. By Will Farrell. Well, is, Farrell's is he a just good like singer. He's like crazy talented. Yeah. He really is. He's like one of the most talented people. That's we've not had. a pop song. That's no. opera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's really good. Adam Scott lip synced "Sweet Child of Mine." Yeah, yeah. It was the one guy in the in the, the van, which I never noticed all the other times I watched this movie. But then when I had that tidbit, I did notice it this time. That's also one of the most rewatchable scenes: the acapella rendition of yeah, it's, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Come on, honey. And then. uh the dinosaur monologue, as covered in the oral history, ad lib by Jenkins and McKay during one of those just throwing shit out. Let's throw shit against the wall. They start doing it. They only do two takes of it. McKay promises Jenkins he won't use it in the movie and then sees him before the screening. And he's like, did you fucking use that thing? And he's like, yeah, I did. And <laughs> that's how he found out the dinosaur scene was in there. And that's like an, and actually like an awesome scene. It arguably could have been in our best, most rewatchable scenes. It's a great model. It's my favorite exchange of three characters talking. Because Jenkins says, so I thought I'll be a doctor for a little while and then go back to that. And then Brennan says, how is that even a skill? <laughs> yeah. And then Dale says, you're a human. You could never be a dinosaur. <laughs> They're so credulous in that moment. It's great. Got to find your dinosaur. Richard Jenkins, it's worth shouting Let's out. do Jenkins for three minutes. Okay, so Jenkins, when... Character actor for 100 he's years. He's trying to do the dishes, <laughs> and Riley is like, what happens if she sees me coming out of the shower? Yeah. And sees... What does he call his, like, chest hair? Yeah, my chest hair is like a... <laughs> Here's a scenario for you, Dan. Suppose Nancy sees me coming out of the shower and decides to come on to me. I'm looking good. I've got a luscious V of hair going from my chest pubes down to my ball fro. And she takes one look at me and she goes, oh my God, I've had the old bull. Now I want the young calf. And she grabs me by the wings. Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Jenkins finally is just like, shut the fuck up! It's <laughs> <laughs> a very funny movie. <laughs> very, very strange career. Yes. He has, he's basically a character actor forever. He's like somebody else's husband. Uh, maybe the bad guy, maybe the lawyer. He's just kind of floating around. Yeah, outside Providence, absolute power. He's really great in flirting with disaster. You know, me, myself, and Irene. He's always kind of in comedies, but is the straight-ish man in the comedy? He was the assistant coach in Eddie with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, which he looks is like an assistant coach. When with year 19 of the rewatchables, we're doing Eddie, because I have a lot of thoughts. Eddie is actually a shockingly decent okay. rewatchable. But it took a while, took a while, took a while, took a while. He just was one of those guys. I never knew his name for... So really until the mid 2000s. 2008 is an is a wild year in his career because 2008 is Burn After Reading in which he's one of the stars working with the Coen brothers. It's Step Brothers, which is the biggest hit of his career, and it's The Visitor, which was this independent movie written and directed by Tom McCarthy of Spotlight fame, which yeah. we'll talk about later on this podcast. The, so that's how I, I that came first. The Visitor, and that's yeah. how I was like 
in all of a sudden he was in, was did he get nominated? He did. He was nominated yeah. for best actor. And that was when I was like, whoa, Richard Jenkins, where did he come from? Yeah. And the visitor is really good movie. Yeah. And he's been now like a pretty persistent yeah. actor in prestige movies. He was in The Shape of Water last year, and it's just kind of always around now. Yeah. He's a great actor. He was Oh, and he's we forgot he was from uh Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yes. But um but he's really, really good in Friends with Benefits, which is not a good movie, but he's really good in it. He plays Justin Timberlake's Alzheimer's father. That's right. And uh, the only reason I know this is because my wife and my daughter love Friends with Benefits, so I've just <laughs> been in the room when it's been on. I'm a huge fan of his performance in Killing Them Softly. He's really good in Killing Them Softly as the lawyer. Yeah. 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 He's really funny and really weird. He's in Jack Reacher. He's in a million things. He's really great. He also has an uncredited uh, appearance in Spotlight, Chris. Is it uncredited? It says, he did voice says, work for Ruffalo during that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Spotlight, Chris. But yeah, it's it's a belated renaissance that does not happen often. Where you see somebody past the age of 50 and then, then vault to a different level. Can I say that my other favorite Jenkins performance is yeah. Cabin in the Woods. Oh, he's yeah. great in that. With Whitford. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's great in that. Um, Apex Mountain. <laughs> Catherine Hahn, yes. 100%. Just mm-hmm. on the map in the greatest way possible in a movie that people rewatch all the time. Farrell, no. Are we talking Apex Mountain within the realm of their comedic performances? You always get confused by Apex Mountain. I'm not Mountain. confused. I just want a little clarity. <laughs> just <laughs> it's not the same thing. The greatest moment of their career. Sure. Okay. Farrell, now. I, I still think Anchorman is. I think he's in the middle of a great run. There's also SNL moments that like. He's yeah. still on SNL. He's if some, he's at the tail end of SNL. He's played Bush for a couple years. Can you guys, can we spend a little time doing the, the hierarchy of Will Ferrell movies? Sure. Like what is your, what are your top fives? This is one. This is one. Mm-hmm. Ahead oh, of Anchorman. Wow. Yeah. At this point, yes. Wow. This doesn't have parts parts of Anchorman that I skip. This doesn't have any skippable parts. I, I agree with that. That's that's bold though. Okay. Yeah, Anchorman definitely meant probably more to me at a time in my life where I was like, all I'm gonna do is speak in Anchorman quotes, much right. to the you know, detriment of my sex life. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like I think that this is a better movie in some ways. Yeah. Okay. I'm going Anchorman. Step Brothers, Old School, Zoolander. I'd probably go this, Anchorman, Old School. Can I put? Can I? Can I take Wedding Crashers as a Will Ferrell movie just for Mom? I want some meatloaf. That's one of the greatest uh, heat checks in the history of movies. <laughs> People want Wedding Crashers for the rewatchables. By the way, we'll get there. Yeah. Um. Okay. No. No love for Elf, huh? I'm my, not a big elf guy. If I don't shout out elf, my brother will kill me. So shout out to elf. I think his Zoolander performance and that whole movie in general uh, slipped through the cracks. And the reason was it came out right after 9-11. And I remember seeing it in the theater. And it was, people were laughing, but they were unsure of it. It was just like the one of the worst time comedy releases we've had. That movie's really funny. and. Yeah. It had enough legs that it eventually led to Zoolander too, but he's really good in that movie. How do you guys feel about the other guys? I think it's a really genius idea that isn't executed as well as I want it to be. Yeah. It was like a little too much like a real cop movie. Yeah. But there's like really, really high moments of it. I didn't like Wahlberg in it. 
And I like Wahlberg in general. I just, I didn't think, I never understood whether he was playing a parody of the actor or whether he was trying to be Mark Wahlberg. I don't think he knew either. He didn't know. Yeah. I do think that without that movie, McKay wouldn't have been able to make the big short because it basically starts McKay taking things a little bit more seriously because that movie is more or less a satire of the financial crisis. Yeah. And it's like a indictment of big banking, which is a weird thing to find in a cop movie, but that's what it is. Adam McKay, Apex Mountain, yes. Mm. Unless you want to go big short. Big short. I would just go peak of his powers. He's now established himself in... He makes this iconic comedy movie really out of nothing with no plot and band-aids and just relationships. And is this movie ends up being good enough that he can do whatever he wants in life. Big short. Or you could say Big Short. <laughs> I mean, Big Short made $140 million and he was nominated for Best Director. That's yeah, pretty, that's better. That's pretty impressive. Right. I changed my mind. I'm going Big Short. And he, I, I think he's honestly not, has not hit his, his apex yet. I think it's in front of him. And other people have directed episodes of Succession, but you can see him taking a style and like being able to apply it to these other things. And I think Succession is actually way more like the the creator, Jesse Armstrong's handiwork than it is like McKay's. Yeah. But that jittery, big, short camera work is is very much part of Succession's success. He's a good dude too. Adam Scott? 100%. I... His performance in Eastbound and Down, he's in two and a half scenes in Eastbound and Down, maybe, like, is so mind blowing. And I know that it, I, I know that it might just be my personal affinity for Eastbound and Down. I would also say that, like, I just need to shout out um, Ashley Schaefer, BMW, Will Ferrell from, from <laughs> yeah. Eastbound and Down, and one of the greatest ever deleted scenes is the, or not even deleted scenes, but extended scenes is if you go on YouTube and see. Will Ferrell's scene with Craig uh, Craig Robinson and Danny McBride, where they where they face off at the BMW dealership, and Will Ferrell does this long speech about his plums going to market. <laughs> it's just like it, it's it's eye watering, man. It's so good. But I would say Adam Scott, Scott. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Eastbound is my. So his character's name is Pat Anderson. He plays an agent in Eastbound and Down. Yeah, and he has an exchange with Dustin Powers, John Hawks, and John Hawks says, "You got some credentials there, pal." And Pat Anderson says, yeah, I got some credentials. And he reveals a black credit card. And he says, business account, of course. And Dustin Powers says, what's black? Is black better than gold? And Pat Anderson says, uh, yeah, gold might get you Jonas Brothers tickets. Black will have all three of them sucking your dick. (laughs) (laughs) Without, I think without Step Brothers, we don't get Adam Scott playing that role. He also, I think in in that first appearance is a VP for the Rays. He's like a devil Rays fightly scout. (laughs) That's his, that's his character. It's yeah, he's unleashed as a comedy dick. Mary Steenburgen, no. No. Good stuff from her, though. Yeah, Great good stuff. job. She's very funny. Great looking. She's beautiful. She's like in her late 50s. 60 in this years movie. old. Yeah. yeah. Richard Jenkins, no. John C. Riley, no. But let's talk about John C. Riley for two minutes. I would go Boogie Nights for him. There's so many, so many options. I go Magnolia for him. Days of Thunder. Uh, the Perfect He's my Storm. least favorite part of Magnolia. Is he? Yeah. Heart I eight. love John C. Riley. You could have taken that whole character out. I would have been happy. I mean, Talladega Nights is in the conversation. He's fucking awesome in Talladega. Uh, he's, he's, he's good in everything. <laughs> John C. Riley is always good. Boogie he's, Nights. He's good in Walk Hard. Walk Hard. All right, him, I'm, we're going to give you Boogie Nights, though. Him dancing in the, in the behind the glass 
during the the uh, Mark Wahlberg song when Mark when uh, Dirk Diggler becomes a singer before Feel the Heat. Before Feel the Heat, yeah. he's doing that song, yeah. and you see John C. Riley like doing like this <laughs> exercise dance. That whole he's just amazing in that movie. So John C. Riley, one of the funniest comedy actors we've had over the last. 25 years just from Boogie Nights and Step Brothers, Talladega Nights to a lesser degree. Didn't really do a lot of comedies. He's basically not a comedy actor. Yeah. He's like just this trained great actor who figured out how to do comedy, but isn't a comedian. That's it. Very, who else is like that? There's been a lot of people who've tried to be like that. You always get the reverse. Yeah. You get Jim Carrey Martin's serious movie, Jim Carrey's serious performance. You very rarely get the dramatic actor who's hilarious because, frankly, most actors are not funny. Yeah. They're self-serious. Yeah, just see, like, Jeremy Renner and Tag or whatever. Yeah. And usually when... or Well, he's not funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or when Dustin Hoffman tries to do comedy. And even when De Niro was in Meet the Parents and he's funny in that, it still felt like De Niro. He's trying. Yeah, he's trying to be... De Niro's, like, funny in Midnight Run because he thinks it's a drama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. He probably still thinks it. Yeah. And that's actually the reason, that's the same reason John C. Riley is successful. He commits. That's the reason this whole movie is successful is these guys, and that was the reason why Farrell was so amazing on Saturday Night Live, is that even if he broke or even if he made other people break, but especially in these movies when they when they are able to like shoot through it or whatever, his commitment to not only the like the character, but the emotional truth of the moment is like, it's as deep as as any like great actor we have like Joaquin Phoenix doing something you know my biggest best example of that for Farrell of all time is the wake up and smile bit on SNL where he's yeah. the co-host of a morning show and the teleprompter, and the teleprompter goes down David yeah. Allen Greer and he and David Allen Greer the weatherman is dead and Nancy yeah. Walls and he's holding up David Allen Greer's yeah. severed head but that's it I mean those guys come, and McKay has this weird commitment to absurdity as documentary like that's everything that he does it makes it work so yeah well. i have a dodge stratus is the way he goes to that like 13th level of, of madness yeah. is just yeah it's and the other one was um was the the dog infomercial <laughs> whatever that one though insulting your dog to train them those three personalities uh could danny Trejo have been in this movie sure yeah why not yeah okay the audience is ready to retire the Danny Trejo category. Have they started giving Got you- Got a couple emails about Should we it. kill it? We could kill it. This, we could kill it right now. Okay. Because the lesson is usually Danny Trejo should be in every movie. Maybe we just need a new Danny Trejo. Yeah, because I can't think of a single movie where I'd be like, no, Danny Trejo can't be in this movie. Maybe so, not like Call Me By Your Name. I think that would be hilarious. Okay. If Danny Trejo rented, Tre- Trejo rented those guys' bikes. He's like, you guys going to go on a bike ride? <laughs> Maybe when they're- <laughs> Neil, you riding bikes today? <laughs> Maybe they're riding the bikes and he cuts them off in a pickup truck. They had Anna, brother. <laughs> Stay in your lane, man. Uh, <laughs> the mailbag at theringer.com. Email us and and you can decide who the next Danny Trejo character is. Yeah, like, this movie, movie next Danny Trejo category. With, yeah. Would this movie be better off with blank? Who's a little more polarizing than Danny Trejo? With Adam Scott? Yeah. I was going to say Catherine Hahn. Yeah. No, she made it. Every movie. You've got to get her on a podcast. Yeah. If Catherine Hahn listens to this for some reason, The Ringer loves you. Come in and do podcasts with us. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> By the way, I saw her at a party once. I was at like one of those stupid Hollywood, like after the night before the award parties. I don't even remember what it was for, like Emmys. And she was there. And I never go up to celebrities ever. And I, I just bulldozed over to her. I'm just like, 
I just, I think you're great. I had like one of those stammering, terrible conversations you're not supposed to have in LA, but I had to. Did she so, big time you? Was she like, get away from me, Not at all. She Dion. was super nice. And I was with was my she friend. like, what do, you, what do you think Danny's going to do with the uh, the Memphis pick? No. <laughs> I was with my friend Daniel Kellison, who knows a lot of people, and he was friends with her. And I was like, I love her. I would, I would go up to talk to her, but I don't want to break the code. And he's like, no, we'll go over there right now, buddy. <laughs> Just brought me over and we bulldozed her for 10 minutes. Mark Ruffalo overacting. They knew. Richard Jenkins is in Richard Portland. Jenkins is not overacting times. in this yeah, A couple movie. times. Come they on. Gets really mad in the kitchen Rick, a couple Riggle overacts, right? Riggle, but that's Riggle's whole thing. It was the first time he did this bit, which yeah. I think now if you see him in like a commercial for a real estate company, you're like, all right, it's this is a Riggle thing. I know what this is. This this time, though, where he's like, <laughs> I'm going to eat it like Kobayashi. <laughs> He's talking. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, it's, it's still funny. The pals are funny too. Yeah. Yeah. I like the pals. Pick and nits. The only pick and nit I have is I needed a little more backstory on these guys both becoming successfully employed and living on their own. <laughs> you like two more minutes on that? <laughs> I liked them. Um, it's basically Will Ferrell. He, he's taking a dump and there's no toilet paper. And then he realizes he should buy Sherman. And I just then think all the cops these guys get are called employed. more to that house. There's uh-huh. a lot of late night noise at that house, and I just think that there's more disturbance calls. If you could do the prequel, Brendan and Dale, ages 21 through 35, who is, who's young Will Ferrell and young John C. Riley? But they're separate. They haven't met. Yeah. Okay. Are you saying we should pitch this to McKay? I mean, the stepbrothers prequel? It's out there. In the, in the, in their, their, I would say they're like 20. 20. Okay. Another nitpick. I don't have an answer, by the way. I can't think. I, I mean, think I'm here thinking, funny, like, like, you know, no, would Michael Sarah be funny? But no. like, it's would not. It's they're just different. There's no 20 year olds that are funny like that. I would like to see two like known to be dramatic actors try to do it, like Robert Pattinson and somebody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Zac Efron. <laughs> That's a good bit. What if we just turn Stranger Things season three into a Step Brothers prequel? Would that be good? Wow. Think about it. I don't have the, to think about it. The time kind of lines up. It's starting to. Yeah. If you could do the Cobra Kai. 10 years later, here are the characters again movie. I would rather see that. Okay. Do you want to go back to this? Do you, I, I feel like this movie is completely perfect. I don't want to see these guys either, you know, successful now or unsuccessful now. I really like the way it ends. I think they're too smart to not at least make a watchable, entertaining movie out of it. And it would have to be. Oh yeah, I agree. I think they would have to be successful. I think the wrinkle would be. Did you like Anchorman too? It's complicated. It has I, great I love stuff. pieces of it. Yeah, I think it really derails for about twenty minutes. That whole when he's blind. When he's blind is. <laughs> I think it seemed it seemed hilarious to them, but it just should have been a deleted scene. Yeah. It didn't need to be in the movie. You just gotta accept them for what they do, though. Like they just go for it every time. He's like, right. he's gonna be blind now, and then he's blind for twenty minutes in the movie, and you just have to accept it. But know. but when we did the oral history on Step Brothers, they had moments like that in that movie, and they were like, "That's great, but that should come out." Yeah, and it's the one time they didn't realize. It should come out. It really grinds it down. I, I think there's stretches in Ackerman too that are just lights out. Agree. It's on epics all the time. I think I'm the only one with epics. And uh, <laughs> you're the only the, one watching. Yeah, epics. the only one who knows what channel epics is. It's it's in the late 500s. Picking nits. This isn't a picking nits because it's funny and they did it intentionally. But just having lived in Southern California, 
it's hilarious that they do the Catalina Island, but then they shoot stuff that's clearly on like the cliffs of Malibu or yeah. Laguna Beach. Yeah. <laughs> like Catalina Island doesn't look like that at all, but they do that intentionally to fuck with people. Yeah, I think it's possible they couldn't get the permit on Catalina too. You know, I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure the per- they they let you shoot on Catalina. Best quote: Too many to choose from. So many contenders. But I think the legacy quote from this movie is is it's a fucking Catalina wine mixer, man. Like that whole thing. You can throw if anyone loves that movie, you can throw that out. You can throw that out wherever people get it. I think did we just become best friends? Is Do a we, pretty yeah. big one yeah. too. To pick a best quote is impossible. Yeah, it's a, like I would it's say all, this movie like is all quotes. If I said, "Why do you have Randy Jackson's autograph on a martial arts weapon?" Isn't that like <laughs> as good as any quote in any movie? <laughs> uh, the, Everything Derek says is funny, though. You know what gets my dick hard? Helping out my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Derek says to Richard Jenkins when he's kissing his ass to help him sell his house. Also, just so yeah. oh, he's the best. I love Derek. I love his first name drop thing when he's like, I was with Mark Cuban, the cubes. <laughs> and then just starts listing all of these douchey celebrities from 2008. Dane Cook, pay-per-view, 20 <laughs> minutes, let's go. Probably unanswerable questions. Did Will Ferrell really last with the therapist? Yes. It's a comedy, so you can't argue with it. I guarantee but- you if they make Step Brothers 2, Andrea Savage is going to be in it. You know, and like still, it's still in the mix. Should they make Step Brothers 2? We we've danced around it. I say no. I say no too. You so they make Step Brothers too. You're not going. No, I didn't say that. Name name a comedy that the second one is better than the first one. Godfather two. A comedy. I know. Like another forty eight hours. No. Chris, you're a big fan of the Clumps. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop two. No. I'll tell you what. What was they better never made as a, a Stripes two. You know? I'll tell you what's better as a two than a one. What the Equalizer. <laughs> Nice tease. Nice one, Bill. No, it's really good. Guess what? He's a Lyft driver in Boston. Like, I wasn't going to like Denzel Washington as a Lyft driver in Boston. <laughs> really good. Who won the movie? We have to pick. Okay. I'm going to say Farrell. I'm going to say Riley. Because I think Riley gets walk hard because of this movie. You can't. It's not a. I think. I think Farrell's influence on everybody else just in this, inside the movie. Yeah, wins? I think Farrell's influence on everybody in this movie is palpable. Like he's like, come with me, go on this journey with me. Can I say Han and Scott together? No. God damn it! Why are you trying to do all these procedural moves against us? <laughs> I don't know because I think Will Ferrell at this point. I was like, Will Ferrell's going to be funny no matter what, and so. For him to win the movie, it has to be an extraordinary Will Ferrell performance. I think John, uh, my vote is for John C. Riley because I think the performances are dead even. But what he does coming into a comedy and being able to completely match Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell would not be able to do the reverse as a dramatic actor. Is it he wouldn't like- be able to walk in and just be like, I'm with Daniel Day-Lewis going toe-to-toe, which is like what it's like to go toe-to-toe with Will Ferrell in a comedy. Right. So- is it For Mc- the degree of difficulty, I give it to John C. Riley. But is it McKay then? You could argue it is. Since it's so dead even? The oral history would argue that it's McKay. Yeah. Because Yeah, it does seem like it, yeah. So maybe that's our good All right, let's do consensus McKay. McKay. Yeah. But shout out to John C. Riley for fucking stepping into comedies when he's not a comedian. Or maybe he is a comedian who just was miscast his whole career. Possibly. 
I know he shouldn't have been a catcher and for love of the game. I'm curious about you not liking his part in Magnolia. I just think that movie has to be chopped by 30 minutes somewhere and there's no way to do it without getting rid of one of the characters completely. That's my Magnolia take. I think Paul Thomas Anderson agrees. Really? I, yeah. yeah. We did that part of them. He's oh, like, yeah. it's way too long. I wish it was an hour shorter. So I think that's the that's the character that probably had the worst arc in the movie. I love the Melora Walters part of that story, though. Yeah, that's why I guess maybe I'm giving him a little bit of that. Yeah. So if we do the rewatchables Magnolia, can my mom be in it? You're the boss. Yeah, it's you, her favorite movie. Is it really? Yeah. How about that? That makes me a little concerned for your mom. Her second favorite movie is Sex, Lies, and Videotape. What? Wow. Yeah. My mom is insane. I don't know. Why do you think she's never been on a podcast? Her movie tastes, her favorite actor is Mickey Rourke. <laughs> she's, my mom's a lunatic. Like Angel Heart? She loves Nine and a Half Weeks, Angel Heart, and, uh, oh, and Richard Gere is her other favorite actor. Really? Her, her favorite movie of the 21st century is the the movie where Diane Lane cheats on Richard Gere with the French guy? What's oh yeah, unfaithful, unfaithful. So I think she she's... loves a damaged pretty boy. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Just like Chris Ryan. When we do unfaithful rewatchables, we should do a Diane Lane one at some point because Diane Lane is my favorite actress of the last thirty years. Who wasn't a bigger deal? You want you ready for Under the Tuscan Sun? I love Diane Lane. Diane Lane's incredible in a uh, Perfect Storm. What's that, that accent, about, one of the one of the all time. It's a bad accent. Blindingly bad Boston accent. Yeah, it's accents. a bad one. You um, and me, Tommy. <laughs> the thing with Diane Lane, she reached this this really hard to get to place where all men are attracted to her and love her, and women aren't threatened by her and also agree that she's attractive and they love her, and that does not happen often with leading actresses. She's great. I've been with her since the Outsiders. I think we're the same age. You and Diane Lane. I just, I, I remember even before that, she made that, that French movie. What was that movie? She's in France. She meets a boy. That was like her breakout movie. She was in the cover of Time Magazine. I don't remember. If you and Daniel Kellison are at a party and you spot Diane Lane and Daniel's like, I know Diane Lane. Let's go talk to her. Do you work up the gumption to do it? Not only do I work up the gumption to do it, it's the best 10 minutes of her life. Wow. Of her life. Yeah. Wow. That's a... Strong no. call. No, I'd be like, I'd, I would be like, hey, Diane Lane, you're a great actress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. Oh. I've really enjoyed your work over the years. People love direct address when they're called by their full name. Hey, Sean Fennessy, <laughs> you're a great editor. A Little Romance. That's the movie. Oh, 1979. Yeah. So I think like Olivier's in that. Is that mm -hmm. possible? Yes. Yes. And it was directed by George Roy Hill. One of my favorite 70s directors. Yes. World According to Garp. That's right. It's The Sting. The Sting? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Chris Ryan, Sean Fennessy. What are we doing next week? Is oh, Midnight Run next Midnight Run is on the schedule. Because it's 30th anniversary. It's our turn, Bill! I got two words for you, Chris Ryan. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> next week, Midnight Run. There you go. All right, thanks again to Hotel Tonight. Don't forget, they partner with hotels to help sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. 
Not just for last-minute bookings, perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. Spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, and more. Easy to use. 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. They even have the HT Perks program where the more you book, the better the deals get. Get the Hotel Tonight app right now. Start scoring amazing deals and incredible hotels. Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. Back next week.